Can you guys hear me? Hello, check, check one, check. No, check. It's not gonna work. Checks in the mail, check. I'm after grab my beanie. Can you, you grab you your want, beanie? Do you want your wear my beanie? Do you want a do you want a, a cowboy hat? How about a top hat? Would you like a a bandana? We could just wrap a blanket around your head. Apple. I can grab you earbuds and that Apple. way you can wear He your can grab you earbuds and that way you could wear your hat. <coughs> he wants that. Riders gross earwaxy earbuds jammed in your ears. shows like dead shows and things like that anymore but when i was when i was younger like i kind of got turned on by the grateful dead and really yeah like i i so my story with that is that um it had to be like maybe like 1998 or something i was in eighth grade and my friends and i just started smoking weed and we're like okay like you know we would smoke weed we'd hang out at the mall and like there was this store, Spencer's Gifts. Yeah, and uh, and we would just go in there high and just be like blown away by like all this black light stuff and posters. And we found like Grateful Dead T-shirts with this, you know the, the the logo with the skull, you know their logo, and and we were just like that is so cool. So we're like, well, we we smoke weed, so I guess this is what we're supposed to do is like listen to the Grateful <laughs> Dead. <laughs> So yeah, I like we, that reasoning. That was it. Like we didn't know we were like 12, 13 years old, whatever. And 
And so we'd go back to one of my friends' house. You know, he was like the the kid that like his parents just let us like do whatever we wanted. You know, so we like chill in his room and get baked with like black lights and stuff. And the first album that we put on was Skeletons from the Closet. And that seems to be the one that does it for a lot of people, man. That that particular album has a lot of mojo in it. Yeah, I forget what's the first song on that album, but it just it. It's like the you got you got me here. I'll look it up. I think it's well, one of their like earliest songs too. Um, what whatever it was, it just hit me, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Like, <laughs> yeah, it has a it has a a way of doing that, man. It um, there's a, something peculiar about the Grateful Dead that I don't even know how to really quantify it. It. You have to be Go, in the, the right golden road. Yeah, you have to be road. in the right place at the right time, in the right headspace, with the right people, and all of a sudden it just changes. I always said, like, so if it's that particular, how does it happen so many times? I, I don't know. I, you I've, know what I'm saying, yeah. Mike? Right? Like, if it's that specific, like you got to be that 13 year old kid that's smoking pot that walked into Spencer's that saw that T-shirt that listened to the Golden Road and is now like, holy shit. <laughs> Like those are pretty specific, but your friend was in there, those coordinates too. And Aaron was in those coordinates. You know what I mean? Like it is certainly specific, but not that unusual. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of amazing to me that it like, it reached us in like 1998, like, you know, in this specific location, in this specific situation, it reached us, communicated to us, and we were just wearing tie-dye shirts and, and doing all this stuff and then eventually going to some shows. Uh, unfortunately, not any Grateful Dead shows uh, after Jerry uh, passed away, but um, but it was still, it was, it was something for us. It was something for us to, like, gather around. So when I tuned into your guys' show, I was like, whoa, these guys are, like, kind of making this like a community like sitting on the porch and like telling these stories and like having interesting people here and like there was just a really cool vibe that i got and so and i wanted to like i just want to know your story i want to hear you know from your perspective like what your deal is and and how you guys got started and what led you into this what was your first experience that i think you mentioned on the show the aha oh yeah moment right like what was that for you wait a minute if we take it to the show not our individual stories, but like what's our show's aha moment. That's even trippier because I think we're just barely having it right now. Yeah. I, I, for me <laughs> going back, I was a punk rock kid in Vegas in the eighties and doing psychedelics all the time with Apple. And, uh, you know, having those experiences by ourselves in, in a room and, you know, the, when the music starts to speak to you and you're having that trip, it can feel very singular. It can feel very uh, private. And I felt like it was only us. Like we had found this secret in the music that nobody else had found. And it was this place that we could go to. And fast forward a few years, a friend of mine um, talked me into going to a dead show. I hated the Grateful Dead. I was like, oh, oh, oh really? Fuck all trucking. Country music sucks. <laughs> I am not. I don't want to see a forty-five minute trucking. Like, Aaron, the, and Aaron was into punk, and I was into like the other spec. I was metal, like Metallica, Ozzy, everything like that. And we both did not like the great. Yeah, band. it was just a, a thing. But he was like, "Look, you need to go, and I'm going to buy you a ticket." And I was like, "Okay." And I went and got puddled in the lot, 
and walked into my first show wearing a Misfits t-shirt and had a mohawk and walked in and they were playing Feel Like a Stranger. And there's all these people spinning and dancing and the collective consciousness of the room was exploding and I lost my shit. I was like, oh my God, all these people found the same thing that we found. There's a huge community of us out there and it's okay to be me. Holy shit. And I was spun, sprung from that moment. Like literally after that show, I went back to his house and I said, I'm going back to Las Vegas. I'm selling all my shit. I'm buying a school bus and I'm going on tour. Like I wow. want to know everything there is to know about this thing. And I, I thought he lost his mind. Which he did oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in the right it. way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes losing your mind is 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 okay in the yeah. right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so fast forward. I mean, you know, multiple years later, fast forward. We moved from Las Vegas to Portland, and we didn't all live together in Vegas. We decided to do this communal living and see what happened up here. And there was no podcast at that point. We were. But there was always there was always thought of hold on my <laughs> mic <laughs> sorry mike i was too relaxed and uh my mic got fucked up but we moved out to portland with the hope not the hope we knew we were going to open up a a farm or a spa or a retreat or some type of place that people could come and like just feel treated and we decided if we all moved in together and we all pooled our resources we all wanted to be together in our older years anyway like we love each other we're family if we want to go to a concert we want them to come with us you know so instead of living separate and making it harder on all of us why not live together and pool our resources and so we started meeting um, right before we moved here, um, every week in our old Las Vegas house with a plan to come up here and make some shit happen. But the podcast was never in it. Yeah, that was never really... We didn't even think of that. Or... Uh -uh. I had, I think, said it. I was going to design school in Vegas, and I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to have a podcast one day. And that was it. But after we moved up here, we'd been here maybe six, eight months, maybe a little longer. And Father's Day rolled around. And I have a 16-year-old son. It was a year. Mm. Yeah, yeah maybe a little over a year. And uh, he got me a snowball mic for Father's Day. And he said, hey, Dad, you know, you guys are always sitting out on the porch talking about the Grateful Dead. Why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, okay. And so I had never done anything like that. I'd never like told my story to anybody or shared what's uh, but going But Mike, he is comes from a completely <laughs> entertainment background. Everybody in his family to some degree or another is on stage behind the camera, writing the scripts, creating the story. So like he is a storyteller. No. And so, so it's yeah. your destiny. Yes. Uh, sort of. Yeah. yeah I guess for sure. Turned like, into he, that. He would always says like you know he wanted to like shy away from the limelight because his you know parents were in it, but he's just as much in it as they are. Like you breed that and you grow up around that. You can only see your kids living that as well. 
Yeah. So true. He started it, and me, Ryder, and Apple uh, just kind of defaulted into it. Well, yeah, you live in the same house. It's hard to be out here on the porch well, they, by myself. Yeah, and then when that the first episode, Aaron, we didn't even know he was doing it. He came out, did it by himself. It was all just him. And then we listened to it, and he was like, "Okay, let's do ours." Of like, and then rewind back to that, Aaron. Two years after he got in the Grateful Dead and was on the road, I thought my buddy lost his mind and become a dirty, stinky hippie. Yeah, and, yeah I did. <laughs> you know, I lost my brother. He finally got me to go to a show in 91 was my first show in Vegas. And same thing. I walked in all, you know, metal and like, yeah, whatever, dude, I'll go because you're my bro. And same thing. Uh, got totally turned out. They walked in like, dirty hippie. Oh, it stinks. Patchouli, blah, 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 blah. And then walked out after dosing. I, t- I took mushrooms. I took a hit of acid. I like did everything. Walked out like, <laughs> I did love everybody and completely changed <laughs> and was on the bus with Aaron. And then, you know, then come to up here and doing the podcast. In the second episode, we sat down and told kind of our story after he told his on the first one. And then and it's then really Mel. appropriate because Aaron and Apple have been in a relationship way longer than <laughs> yeah, me, and, me and Aaron have. I was 14 and Aaron was 12. 33 years. Met. Yeah. They've been together for 33 years, Mike. This is amazing what you're saying. And you know, like what I'm hearing from Aaron, what you said about like just walking into that first show and like feels like a stranger and like, you know, you didn't, feel that way you felt like you you found something that there's this community and then like from you guys all deciding to move to portland and get this house and then like living together and pooling your resources and then starting the show and then everyone coming together with the show it's like man that's that like that resonates so much with people because i think everybody wants that you know like everybody wants to be a part of something and like have a family extended family and friends that that share things together and so yeah, I mean, what 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 initially, I guess, like when you guys first decided, you know, what was it about Portland that that attracted you there? First of all, <laughs> that's Aaron. I, yeah, Aaron I had all the way. I had lived up here in the early '90s with a buddy of mine up in Seattle, and uh, it's funny, man. I I didn't know this before, but when my great grandfather emigrated from Russia to the United States. They came to Portland, Oregon. I never knew that. And so when I came to the Pacific Northwest, I felt at home up here. And it was really, it was great on one hand. And on another hand, it wasn't because I would go home to Vegas and feel out of place, out of my own skin, like just unsettled. But then we'd come up here on vacation and I felt like I could finally breathe. Like mm. like the clothes that I owned finally made sense and the person that i was wasn't strange here but in vegas i was like a sore thumb and so when we started talking about doing our thing and moving it was seattle or portland and uh we came up here for new year's eve and just to because we wanted to go like when everybody says it's the worst time to go (laughs) to find out how bad it can be and And I, i had that experience here i was like I can breathe. I feel like I'm grounded. I feel like I can move and I'm part of it as, a, as opposed to like being separated and like a ghost moving through the city that I live in. And so I told everybody about it and got them on board. 
You know, like guys, well, I we need had this. Vacation nice, in Seattle. rallied the troops. Yeah, yeah we vacationed in Seattle, and with Apple, Apple is always and has been our vacation uncle <laughs> for all of our vacations when the kids were little, and so. Like I said, this relationship with Aaron and Apple runs deep and Aaron and Apple and me and Aaron and Apple and the kids. And like, so you're talking about people wanting like family and to be part of something like we just talk about being it and then also do it like it's not a secret. You know what I mean? It's not like a longing underneath the skin. It's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's get together. Come over. Let's bring your friend. Let's hang out. Like it's always about building up the community that way. I know anybody who ever steps through my front door, they are supposed to be at my house and they are, it is home for them. And, and it's funny too, Mike, about no simple road is that when I did the first episode, and put it out. I like had a panic attack. I I put, yeah. the, put the show yeah. out straight up. Panic and attack. Mel and I went to the grocery <laughs> store, and I was in the grocery store like, "Oh my god, what did I just do?" Everybody can hear that, and like my insides are out, and it for everybody to see, and just freaking out. And it was like the moment where you got to like, you know, slap somebody or throw cold water on their face (laughs) or something like that. Like it was like hysteria. Yeah, He was ready to pull it down. Yeah. And was like, this is a bad idea. But it's funny because in you, you asking me like, how did it start? It, it was really organic because there was never an agenda behind it. It was just, let's just do what we do every day. But we just happen to have a microphone there. And that's how yeah. it all started. And then through that is how we started like, well, it would be cool to talk to this artist or this musician and have them here on the porch with us. Like we look up to these people and, and want to know about them. And there's this ability now with social media and all that to contact them. So why not try? And then it started happening. And behind that, yeah. This community started. Snowball effect. Uh, (laughs) Oh, boom! (laughs) And it it was weird too because I was. They call call that a callback in the comedy. (laughs) (laughs) I like callbacks. And when it started, it was weird too because, like, I mean, you do a podcast. I mean, podcasting's just—it's still new, and I—I had no relevant. Aaron, I knew Aaron always liked Stern. And then it was Joe Rogan podcast is really the only one I knew. And Duncan Trussell. Aaron got me to listen to a few, but I never listened to him. Then when he said, we're going to do a podcast, it's like, okay, why not? Let's, you know, I didn't (laughs) know. We, we, none of us knew what this was going to become and how crucial, how much of our life it is. Definitely not contrived. There's a lot of time commitment to this thing. You know. Yeah, totally. I know. I know what you're saying too. Like I, you know, I always have these kind of panic attacks when I release podcast episodes, especially when it's just me. If I'm doing a solo show, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I, I revealed so much or I put all that out there. And, you know, but then I started getting feedback from people, you yeah. know, and yeah. you get feedback from people and you guys have experienced this, yeah. you know, oh, that really touched me or that really moved me or that was really crucial or important for me to hear that. And you're like, oh, shit, like I'm not like going through this alone. I'm not weird. Like there's other people out there that are going through these experiences. And just like you were inspired, I was inspired by Joe and Duncan too. And it's like, man, if they, what if they never turned the microphones on, you know, it's like, then maybe you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And then, you know, from what I'm doing, from what you're doing, like, I'm sure there's people that are inspired that are going to do 
their own stuff and you know because of what you're doing and in a way it's kind of like the extension of this deadhead kind of like vibe and atmosphere of like just creating things and just making things and just jamming with people that you groove with and like you know that just that energy just carries right totally and and the thing that i one of the most impactful profound life-altering things that's happened for me through the show because doing the podcast has been a magical act for me i i've been into ritual magic for years and, oh wow yeah and so let's doing talk the, more about that yeah. okay doing the podcast has been very magical ritually speaking for me it's transformed who i am in really significant ways and like i think the most yeah. the most significant thing that i can talk about is that label of deadhead i carried that for so long as like my badge of honor like i earned this thing through hard psychedelic tripping and being out on the road and like doing the thing you know what i mean i i earned that badge of deadhead and last summer we were at the gorge seeing fish and i had a moment in the middle tripping really hard and i had a moment in the middle of the show where that just fell away i realized you know what i'm limiting myself by labeling myself i've put myself in a box all these years by calling myself a deadhead so that everything that i listen to see touch taste feel is filtered through this lens of like it has to fit into this deadhead paradigm right mm. and and it fell away and I realized, you know what? No, I'm a music fan. I'm a person that loves music and also that space, that psychedelic space where the crowd and the band come together and you're having that telepathic communication and yeah. what you're feeling is what the band's playing and what the band's playing, what you're feeling and all that coming together in that soup. That's who I am. Not right. dead head or fish head or widespread panic fan or whatever i'm just a fan of the music i'm a person that loves to be in the groove and that i yeah. think out of everything that's happened with the show personally that's like my biggest milestone for me so far it's like wow i i realize that i'm not what i thought i was all these years yeah wow i i can relate to that that's 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 powerful because I think everyone can relate to that, right? It's like we all kind of tell these stories about ourselves and like, oh, but, you know, I'm this kind of person or that kind of person. And, you know, a psychedelic person wouldn't talk about these sorts of things or you know, this, <laughs> this uh, a comedian wouldn't say this kind of thing. And it's like, wow, you're, you're totally just limiting yourself. But I think that's kind of a natural like progression. You know, I think maybe when I started the show, I was kind of copying maybe like a Joe Rogan or something like that. And then eventually, you know, as you know, you kind of find your own voice, find your own groove and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like I can like really create something here that's new and unique. And, um, and yeah, yeah. I, I think you did that. And like, just to, going back to the, the being the music fan in that moment. Like, yes. Yes. That moment that you described, I've experienced so much and it's like, you just want to bottle it up and give it to everybody. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> That's the feeling, the right? Effect. Yeah, man. And, and, and it's funny too, because I think for a lot of my life, as you could see, like that thing, that music space and that psychedelic space has affected and touched my life so much that I've spread it tried to spread it to my friends and my family and like 
come on, man, you guys got to come with me. This is fucking awesome. Like, yeah, come I see know. this thing. And, and also, like, being married for 21 years to Mel, it was up until a couple of years ago, not a point of contention with us, but a disconnect in our relationship where I never felt like she got it. Like I got it. You know what I mean? And Mm. I think recently with us within the past couple of years, I don't care if she gets it. Like I get it. She gets it. Like she gets it Mm. and and realizing that too. Oh yeah. yeah, She's definitely on the bus. Well, Aaron's (laughs) personality is such that, he's very dominant he likes to always drive he's gonna decide <laughs> what hotels we stay in he drove in. a bus two years straight right? yeah, yeah. thank you mike and, and i'm not there's no flaw with that because i'm the personality it was like good be in charge because i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want while you're doing all the grown-up stuff so that's how our relationship works perfectly but with the point of contention that he was talking about was like i didn't have that moment last year because i been knowing that moment my whole life i love music i love to dance any groove i don't care if it's jamaican or australian or freaking funk or if it's a good groove i'm gonna jive to it so i didn't have like these like big aha moments with the dead what i had was big aha moments in my life with them as my background music oh shit and so right. what's cool about that is that, like, look, I don't know all those people's names that are on there. And I don't know about statistics. Okay, now I do. Okay, my <laughs> yeah, Aaron yeah. just looked at me and looked back at me. I was going to say, like, when you started, like, right. when we were going to show, <laughs> Wait, what Mel, Mel started calling statistics. songs and we knew she was, well, she, because... it was like, oh, oh, she didn't even realize it. Me and Aaron, Aaron looked at me like, she just called a song, dude. <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> There's definitely been some proud papa moments <laughs> that Aaron and I had, but yeah, like I've I've always um, I was raised as such as my mom was like, look, don't be wearing anybody else's name brand shit. Don't be representing anybody. Like, so she would never buy us like Tommy Hilfiger or Guess or any of that. She was like, if you want something, and put your own name on it. And so yeah, I just kind of had that always in the back of my head as a mentality. And so I never really allowed myself to be a big fan of anything, but I can mm. appreciate a, everything, you know? So I love R&B. I love hip hop. I love jam music. I love spa music. I love all of it, you know? And so when he had that moment, I was there and... It was for me. Was like he just fucking got on the bus. That's yeah. what I felt yeah. like. Yeah. And he's getting on the bus, and I'm like, "Damn, you finally got here!" Yes. And it wasn't like in your face or anything. It was just like, it was sweet. It, yeah, it was very sweet. It was nice. it was sweet, and then it was warm, and the breeze hit us just right, and the sunset captured on. And, and, and my sister literally captured she snapshotted that so there's a photograph oh, of wow. Aaron and I's moment and it's it's amazing it, we we captured a peak experience in Aaron and I's marriage that day on film <laughs> yeah that's amazing is that public yeah yeah <laughs> i'll that? send i'll send it to you yeah oh that's all aw- that's yeah. awesome yeah aaron's that's silhouetted and has his arms up in the air like it was like a like a championship fighter just knocks somebody out or something he's got his hands in the air <laughs> Dude, it the makes me I, like, thinking about him. the moment it made like i tearing up thinking about it like it was like that rocking and that deep 
set like I don't even uh like a shit I can't think of a word for it just like a, a groove in my mind no that I, yeah Mike like, he was like yes <laughs> like it only reminded me of like the equivalent of like a soccer player like football not soccer you know like yeah that aggression and like the veins popping out in the neck and like yeah like because it was like gone and it felt like he said it was sweet. It was like, it was kind of orgasmic in a, in a mental way, in an emotional way. It was like, you know, it was awesome that it was fish because they were just so fun that night and so kick-ass. But it was just everything around us. It was the culmination. It was like the popping of the zit, you know? Like, <laughs> and that whole thing, that whole, that whole experience, that trip was a great family moment because we brought Melanie's uh, younger sister along who doesn't do the sacrament like we do. But she's like, I want to see what you guys do. And she captured like that moment. And she when she left the show, she did nothing other than had a beer. Or she got a good buzz. She was, was high, beard but she was high from the collective crowd. And she would like looked at all of us, was like, "I'm so glad I came. I get it. I get it. This I get why so you guys fun. do this all the time." And she's going now. She's like, "You guys aren't going out without me next time." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you could just get high off that buzz, that energy, mm-hmm. that collective, you know, spirit, the will to be alive and to just be a human and enjoy in this magical moment. It's so powerful. And like sometimes, you know, like this has happened for me, like sometimes I just I just didn't get something for a while and there's been all these opportunities for me to get it along the way and it just didn't really penetrate my consciousness and you know, I had this intellectual understanding of like, okay, maybe I could see why somebody might, you know, like this or like that or whatever. But then there's the the emotional like understanding where you just get it in like every cell of your body. And and sometimes sometimes it just needs the right time to shine, you know? It's just waiting yeah. for the right moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's funny to me what you just said because understanding something and knowing something are two completely different things. Yeah. And and that it becomes visceral at that that moment of understanding where like you said it's feeling attached to the intellectual knowledge of it It, you could feel it moving you and and touching you in a way that it never did before and that's the thing for me that keeps me going back to it over and over again Aside from the community aspect of it, aside from the fun of it, it's being in that moment where nothing matters. Your job doesn't matter. Your bills don't matter. There's no moment except for that moment. And you're alive. And it's happening. And that's it. That's all that matters. And that's what's kept me going for 30 plus years back over and over again. Yeah, you nailed yeah. it. You nailed it. It's uh, you're really alive. I felt that uh, one of the first like really profound LSD experiences I had was at a music festival, and I just I felt like this like oh my god like I'm finally like alive. Like I feel like I right? like this veil has been lifted. This curtain was like pulled away, and it was like oh shit. Like I'm actually like real. <laughs> like this is real. Like, this is cool. <laughs> And connected to something bigger than me. Yeah. And the thing with with the show is once that started sinking in, and then at the same time, we're still doing the podcast, right? 
it's happening. We're doing it. We're, you know, interviewing musicians and getting feedback from people and like all that stuff is going on. I realized like, now what? What are you going to do about it? You know, are you just going to be in it and that's it? Or are you going to do something with the gift that you've been given to be able to be a part of this thing? And mm. I think that's what's grown out of starting No Simple Road is that desire to connect our family with each other. Uh, because there's so many of us, Mike, that are feeling like that. And it's usually like personal within our crew. Like we'll go to a festival or go to a show and we have an experience with each other and then we only share it with each other. It's like this secret club. And I felt like, you know what? Fuck that. There's so many of us out there filling stadiums for four or five days in a row. Like, why can't we all talk about what's going on? Why, why is it not okay? And it, right. It's amazing how quickly we found that out with the podcast because I'm sure you did the same thing. Like we were talking about like, oh, shit, this is out here. I'm nervous. It's amazing how quickly the feedback started coming because yeah. we were, we were, there were several times we were like, I, I don't know if you know, all of us had doubts. You know, Melanie did, I did, Ryder did. Oh, Still yeah. do. It, it was all like, I don't know if I want to share myself. But then every time also the community started growing and it, it's amazing how things start to get in like synchronicity. We'd be out here like kind of like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, look at this email I just got from a fan. And we'd read it, and that has kept us going, like, you know, keep keeps the train going. Every time something kind of starts to go wrong, something amazing happens. Yeah. And like Aaron said, that's the true. big thing that's happened with the show, too, what Aaron, me and Aaron, out of us, are the ones that were stuck on that day. You know, nothing's the Grateful Dead. I only listen to certain things and this. Now... We go to so many shows where, you know, we just enjoy so much music and going to the shows. There's such a beautiful, awesome, growing music scene out there. Yeah, it's amazing. Can you, any any of you guys who want to share, like, are there any particular moments that you can remember, recall, that you're willing to share that, like, you were like, oh, no, like, I, I don't know if I want to, you know, talk about this or I feel weird saying this or any anything that really like comes to your mind you know yeah. immediately yeah we because you know as you know with the privacy thing and and the unveiling of yourself like we really are kind of like standing with our jackets open naked underneath on the show because a lot of I mean, this is our life. Like right now, I'm sitting on the porch taking time out of my day right before work to do this. But it's part of my life, like this exact thing. So it's not like bad or good, but it's part of my life. So um, he was talking about a moment where you were like, oh, shit. One of those moments was <laughs> I got a little heated with Aaron um, on uh, on the show. Yeah, yeah, on the show. And it was. Oof. You know, it, it was just like really a, a a good way of attacking somebody bitchy, and yeah, like she was she was taking low blows. Yeah, I was definitely oh, I was definitely hitting below the belt, and I was like, you know, Aaron and I were alone. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that I want you to put that on there. Like, it's I don't want that energy. Out yeah, there, I, I was like, said. I don't. That's what I said. I was like, I don't want that energy out there. I don't want to have that fe bad feeling about you out there over and over and he was like 
okay if you want we were you gonna know? cut it and then we went to Ryder and apple about it and they're like no what are you talking about it no was, it was uh and and thriving erica and, and tim yeah. yeah from thriving in tie-dye um we talked to them they happen to be staying with us and and it was about aaron's um you know being a heroin addict and lying and whatever like it was like this um whole thing which is totally fine to talk about but at the time it rubbed me the wrong way and the way that I talked to him and just kind of like it, it was just like I said low blow and Erica was like you know I would say put it out she's like a lot of the times when you are a little bit controversial about something like that people are going through that and they can identify with that and it helps them it helps them figure out like their situation it helps them see it from another point of view it gives them the comfort that they're not alone so it's like all of these like emotional things that it's helping so leave it on and so and she happened to be having a moment yeah yeah she yeah, said yeah. that that helped her with yeah and she, we ended up putting it out yeah we did and immediately started getting what episode feed- is that oh shit um it's it, i think it's, it's the one episode? just be- just it's the it's one the right before Eric. It's either the Thriving in Tie-Dye oh. episode or the one right before. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll look while we talk. Yeah. But yeah, as, no, no as, problem. As, soon, as soon as we put it out, like the next morning, I wake up and there's like three emails to us about like, thank you guys so much for putting that out. Uh, I'm going through that with, a, with my partner and, you know, hearing somebody else going through the same thing really helped and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's hard, man. It's hard when you... And I don't know why feedback keeps you motivated. Like, what is it about somebody saying... And it's it's always good to hear that you're doing something that's helping people. Like, that's why I've always erred on the side of just air it. Like, I've cried on the show. I've... Yeah, I've, we are I an emotional a, bunch. No. As a form of catharsis and just a way of getting things off my chest and out into the world instead of just holding onto it and... If that helps people, fantastic. I agree with that. Uh, that's 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 totally true. And it's like you know, when you when you kind of do those things, you realize more and more that we're all very similar. You know, at least a lot of us are, and that you know that it is like a, we're a human family. So you're you're sharing your humanness, and there's other humans out there that are like, oh my god, you know, me too. You know, you're, you're that, human too. That's the that's that yeah. That's part of the, the 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 movement I think right now. This podcasting thing and you know YouTubers or Instagram people like if anybody who's out there who's like sharing their human experience, it's like fuck man, yeah. Like I'm not alone. Like no, you know, I, just, I never counted on the show doing that for me. I was like trying to keep it separate. Like, <laughs> but I don't. In some way, I I'm able to compartmentalize things in my head and maybe that's called denial i don't know <laughs> but i'm really good at it well it, it could also be called compartmentalization yeah yeah that's good, definitely useful, I absolutely you know? do that i'm I, I totally do that and it's great for some things and then for other things i started to realize like okay melanie like you have one identity you're very many like there's a lot of things that can make up that identity but you have a lot of them and it's okay and so the show has helped me to be able to 
be my whole self in my entire life. I don't have to go to work and be someone different. I don't have to talk different on the podcast. I don't have to behave different with my family. Like in my entire life, I can be all of Melanie. And that's mm-hmm. what the shows helped me to do. It's like resolve all the different parts of myself. And it, it's been that's awesome it's to amazing. see that. It's been awesome to see Melanie do that because kind of in the beginning, if you listen back to show, there's a point where I don't think it was ever on the show. But she was like, I don't, I don't really have anything to say. People well, don't want to hear. Because I was, there was a lot of the, the, the guests I, I didn't know. Like, because I never was into the, you know, the, oh, this is, you know, the drummer from so-and-so or this. I didn't know that. So as individual people. a good drummer, people, so-and-so. Yeah. yeah, I know. They rock. <laughs> Don't miss it. Yeah, I didn't have it. They rock hard. <laughs> totally. I didn't, didn't even know. So we're getting these, like, amazing people that I had no clue about. And so I wasn't nervous or scared or anything because I didn't know him from Joe down the street. Like, Joe, I, at least I knew, was cool because, you know, we talked about his garden or something. But yeah, this, that added another level to the interviews because yeah. of Melanie not knowing and us knowing. Right, yeah, like the outsider's perspective. Yeah, yeah she's good. just like, well, I want to know about your, your four-year-old son. Tell me about him. I don't <laughs> well, yeah, care about the music. I, I want to <laughs> know about your guitar rig. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, what pedal effects do you use? Do you... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's we were going to tell it's, what episode that was. It was, oh. it, it was episode 72. Okay. Um, oh, cool. Okay, us. cool, yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, I'll make sure people check that out. Cool, man. It's the <laughs> it's intro. In the intro. It's the intro, just yeah. the intro. Yeah, it's not in the in the show. Uh, hell of a way to start a show. Too. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was <laughs> we, a trip, man. We have a few of those. Uh, and, you know, it's Mel's talking about, like, compartmentalization and all that, and another aspect of it too, Mike, and I think you maybe have experienced this too. We, we just spoke to Duncan again yesterday. And, oh, nice. And, um, when we were getting ready to go, he said something and it dawned on me that God damn, he's right. Like I've had these experiences and Apple has too. It shows where you realize that you are now that old gray bearded dude that you looked up to 20 years ago. And that there's this, like, I don't want to say a level of respect yeah. almost that, that you get because you've been in it a long time and which is weird all by itself. I don't even know what that means, but I, I've experienced it. And when we were talking to Duncan yesterday, he was like, you know, a lot of these teachers and people that we look up to are, are dying and passing away. And when they go, who's going to be left behind? It's us. We're the ones that are the teachers now, the ones that are here to keep this thing moving forward. And doing this has made me realize that all of us are teachers out there, not just me, not just Mel Apple Rider, like you, the dude standing next to me puking at a festival. All of us are teachers. We're all learning. Well, that's from why they each call other. them seniors because they've just been through longer life. Yeah, and it shows on our on our fine lines and our gray hair and our you know maybe we used to dance at you know fifty miles an hour. Now it's only two. You know, <laughs> <yeah>, two, <laughs> two miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, and not just that, but that it's okay. It's okay to take take that and and. You don't have to be, there's no expectation in that other than it's okay to just be who you are and share your experience. And that's a hard 
weird lesson to to come to in your you know at 47 is that i have something to share and who i am is beneficial to the people around me yeah totally i mean you know and music is such a good metaphor for life too you know and it's like melanie was saying before about the different aspects of her personality it's like yeah you know, people were like music, like, you know, we're, we're just going through our day, like, you know, singing and jiving along, whatever, whatever we have to do, you know, we kind of mold to different situations and circumstances. It's like all the genres that are out there, you know, all the genres of music, all the genres of personalities that, a, that someone can have, yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's an interesting and way to say it, Mike, I like it like that. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I remember my, uh, first big music festival, was uh Coachella and you know I know how people feel about Coachella whatever I I never been to a music festival before someone had a ticket they were like you want to come and I was like yeah anyway oh, it was, yeah. yeah it was awesome and this was in 2011 and it was it it's was probably awesome. when it was good still it was <laughs> that was the like that was like the last year cuz I went like a couple of years and nothing was like that first experience but that was the first time that I was like, wow, I'm just allowed to just fully be with like with people and in a crowd. And like then as the years went on, like I got the experience of kind of being ushered in from my California friends who had been going for years. And they were like, you got to come to this festival. And I came and they were like, this is what we're talking about, you know. And so they were sort of the teachers and other people there. And then when I was going, like the last year I went, like 2016, I think, or 2015, I think was the last year I went. You know, I saw that too, like the kid coming in uh, to the festival. And like, you know, just you could tell like it's his first time there. And, you know, like I think you guys mentioned this actually when you were talking to, uh, to Mike about like being at the festival and kind of realizing like your role realizing like where you are now yeah. you're not in the front you're in the back or something <laughs> yeah. mike said that yeah i'm not yeah. at the back of the stadium i'm not up on the rail anymore which is okay right. as a purpose right well yeah and i think truly it's because i for real want space well like, i was just gonna say i think a lot of it and not i guess this is a great forum to be woo but like somebody's got to hold the space Right in those situations, because it's such a. If you think of what a concert itself is, physically, it's very chaotic. There's a lot of people on psychedelics. There's loud frequency happening, a lot of movement. Like just physically, it's chaotic, right? And there's got to be people there that are holding space for the other people watching and and create and watching out and making sure that everybody's okay and and just holding the space. So that yeah. there's a uh, an environment. The archbishops of the the musical church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess like when yeah, when the whole whatever. ocean is in chaos, maybe this is like the little ripple side. You know, the the kiddie pool. <laughs> it, 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 to me, it's an amazing thing to to be in the back. Now, I love being in the back because I'm not like most of the they they Aaron and Melanie they they really like to dance uh, dance a lot more they get a lot more into dance than I do I'm a more visual person I like to have my eyes open and watch the crowd and the band and see the connection between the band and to be at the back and look over that chaotic ocean in front of you is just, it's an amazing scene to me I feel it more when I can see everybody and the whole like community laid out in front of me it's amazing to watch yeah. 
Yeah, it's like staring at the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. look, look at those waves, man. That's cool. And then you do that caregiver. You keep an eye out. We all do that now at all the shows. We always have plenty of water and go up to yeah. people like here, you know, hydrate, hydrate. I've had, pe- I've had awesome <laughs> oh, amazing. earth mamas come and protect me during shows and didn't even know I needed it. Didn't even know it was happening, but felt okay to be sitting on the ground or puking puking or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and just like there's really not other um too many other outlets that that would be okay in you know like somebody's not feeling well or or needs to just be away from a crowd and then there's like these wonderful people that'll just kind of like create a circle around you in order for you to get some air or just collect yourself that's a really special thing that happens in those concerts and i'm grateful for that so i definitely give that back yeah it's it's amazing when that happens when so when you need a water and you're at a show and someone gives you a water you're like oh my god you're a genius we were were at dark star orchestra a couple weeks ago and I was really, really high and it was set break. And like, I was a little bit like out of my depth. I was like having trouble finding a space to be comfortable and super thirsty. And the people next to me had these beautiful, like sweating cups of water. And, (laughs) and I was just looking at it like, Oh my God. But I couldn't ask for some reason or I didn't want to move and whatever. And I was like, God, I wish somebody would just walk up and hand me a drink of water and this girl I never met walks up to me with a fucking cup of water and is like, here, brother, you need some water. I was like, holy what? shit. You, yeah. <laughs> you read my mind. Yeah. It was awesome. You probably did. Yeah. yeah. Of course. That's exactly. And that's another whole can <laughs> of worms to this scene that doesn't get talked about. That the telepathy? I, yeah. Like. Oh, that, yeah. Let's get into it. That telepathic <laughs> element is a real thing. Like. I spent a lot of years at dead shows going, is this really happening? Is this, this is real. And then like go home and like try and talk myself out of it. No, that didn't happen. It was just in my head. It was just, you're just high. You're just high, whatever. And fuck that man. The whole world is happening inside my head, you know? Yeah. And if it happened, then it was real. And so at this point in my life, I'm like, why can't we talk about, that we're all having this telepathic communication and not just at shows. Like it happens in our house. It happens with our dog. I hear my oh dog my gosh, talking the, all the time. Our dog Mike straight up has a voice and that's why on a few, <laughs> on a few shows. What does he sound like? What does he sound like? We all have a voice. <laughs> yeah, it depends on his talk. Wait, wait, first of all, what's the dog's name? And then everyone do your version of the dog voice. Okay, what's his name? Um, hi, Mike. My name is Darwin, and this is Mom's version of my voice. <laughs> this is the most truest form of it, Mike, too. It is. Mike, I don't, I don't even want to be on the show. I'm just going to sit in the sun and hang out. You guys are fucking weird. No, my favorite part <laughs> is when we're all... When I'm drinking and everyone can hear me in the background. <laughs> that is my favorite part. I'm just laying here with my face on the concrete. And I wish you guys would just, you don't know. Just you don't know my life. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, we do dog, that all dude. the time. <laughs> yeah. Very indiv- individualistic telepathic dog. Yeah. 
channels through all of this. But what you don't see is that his face and his little mannerisms match the voices, which is the craziest, cutest thing. And if you're doing his voice, he'll look at you while you're doing his voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I heard so, someone told me recently like dogs are very like connected to the sort of spiritual psychic realm. Yeah. Do, do you have a pet? I don't, I unfortunately. I yeah. just feel like when, when we come home from shows and, you know, or are high, he, he is very attuned to us being high. At first, oh, he's yeah. kind of sketched out like, oh, God, here we go again. What are these fuckers doing? And the, but he becomes so <laughs> compassionate, gets he wants to be right by us and snuggle up and be in your face. And he, he'll he looks come, you in the eye. He'll too. come in like he's 115 pounds. So he's a big dude. And I'll sit down on the couch tripping and he'll put his front paws on my leg and put his face right on my nose, his nose on my nose and just stare at me. Ah, oh. dude, are you okay? Everything cool in there? You doing all right? He's pretty rad, doggy. Yeah, he, yeah, he becomes your like trip sitter. Your you know. oh yeah, <laughs> he's my spirit oh, yeah. animal, but in real life, and, and he'll growl. It's, it's he does that sometimes too. He'll just yeah. be looking off like up in the corner, growling, and we're like, okay, he's keeping us safe. But seriously though, like, why is it not okay to talk about that, Mike? Why is it not okay for us? Why do we feel like we have to keep that to ourselves? That when we go do these things or even out in the forest taking mushrooms with your with your crew like that's a real thing that's happening why yeah why is that yeah i think i think it's scary right it's like oh my god people can read my thoughts like whatever but i i and you know and then you get into the whole like well there must be something to it right because i mean that this has to be real and then like those of us who have experienced it know this to be true but then you just look at like the facts that like the cia was experimenting with lsd in the 60s trying to create you know doing like remote viewing stuff and trying to get people try to break into like secret russian bases so they can extract information and pulling it off yeah yeah, I'm yeah, fucking man. pulling it off, man. I'm, I just posted something on Instagram a few weeks ago. There's like a CIA paper on telepathy and remote viewing, like how to do yep. it and the steps and the whole thing. Like, come on, man. If they're talking about it, no, why man. can't yeah. we? It's all, it's all yeah. fake. And then everybody Don't watches the show, uh, Stranger Things. You ever seen Stranger yeah. Things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Everybody watches that show Stranger Things and they're like, oh, wow, this is crazy science And It's like, yeah, well, like that <laughs> is kind of so like what science. they were doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're in such a like really cool, unique moment in history in that the psychedelic revolution happened in the 60s and, and you know, kind of went underground for a lot of years. And now we're like at this pinpoint in time where it's out of the closet and yeah it's okay to talk about and you're not ostracized as much well. and it there's you know they call it the third wave or whatever it is and and i think it just yeah. adds so much more to it because we can have a conversation just like we're having right now and nobody's going to come to my house and arrest me for talking about this no, hopefully not. I no, just, I hope I not. Would. It's all alleged. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all bullshit this anyway. It's all an act that yeah. we put on right. for characters. Well, it's all entertainment. Yeah, that thing I said about putting myself together earlier, that was for yeah, the camera. All, yeah, it's, for, it's entertainment <laughs> yeah. purposes only. Yeah. I sent you guys a script before the show. Yeah. Totally. There. Thanks for sticking with us. How are we doing? Oh, this is a great table <laughs> read. Everybody's done very well. <laughs> We're professionals. Ah. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, plausible deniability. Um, <laughs> what you talking about? I had a I had a, a, a funny experience now looking at it in hindsight, where it was one of the first moments where I experienced this telepathy thing, and I was at I was at a music festival and I was with this girl and we were I think it was this band Alt J that was playing might have been I'm, I forget. But it was like getting sun- shaking heads, so people know who you're talking about. Yeah, it was like it was like sunset. The sun was setting, and the mountains were in the background. And I was like thinking, like, oh, I think she wants me to like kiss her right now. And then, and I was like, wait, is am I reading her mind? And then I'm like, wait, I can't do that. Like, this will just be crazy if I just grab her and start kissing her. Like, we just started <laughs> hanging out. Like, I don't. Is this possible? And so I didn't do it because I didn't want to. Like, Ooh. I was like, oh no, like I don't want to kind of like you know, invade her space or something like that. And so I, I didn't do it. But then afterwards, like we, we wound up uh, hanging out later on and we said, like, yeah, you, were you thinking like, yeah, I was like waiting for you to like make a move. I was like, damn it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, that was always, the last time he doubted now. himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, but that's when I knew I was like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what's going on here. The telepathy thing. And then you know, that, that whole feeling of just being, being at a festival, being at a show and just everybody is just, you know, loving and feeling on the same vibe. And you have that kind of connection going on. And I remember my, one of my first times, and this is when I became sort of, you know, the, the aggressive evangelist was like, man, like we can just be doing this all the time. Like that was my thought. My thought yep. was like, this could just be life. <laughs> Like, you know, and Aaron, I know yeah. you, you took that literally for two years, right? Like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, man. He's trying but, to take it literally now. But you yeah. know what, man? I was just going to say when I think the point, if there is a point to all of this, is to show us how to be all the time. There is never one point. You know that. Well, one of the points. Yeah. It's how, points. how, it's like a porcupine, how people can, <laughs> can live because. It doesn't have to be singular. It doesn't have to be only at a show when I've taken the proper dose of MDMA or LSD. The thing and, is, is we're blah, taking blah, blah. over. We are taking over. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be, you know, exclusionary like that, where it can only happen in that space. I can only feel that way when I'm at a show. No, take that with you. At the last Grateful Dead concert in 2015 at Fairly Well, they played the very last song and the band came out on the stage to, to take their final bow as a band ever. And Mickey Hart, the drummer said, the way you guys are feeling right now, take it out into the world and do something with it. And that is fucking profound. And it man. feels like people have. Yeah. And so I think that's like, for me, what I'm trying to do. And I, I know that the people that I live with and, and I'm, are on the show with you right now feel the same way. Like I want that all the time and I don't want it to just be when I'm high at a show. So I'm going to model my life after the way I felt so that I can feel like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I remember like uh, this great, like Terrence McKenna video where he's talking about, you know, he's like that, that, 
it's like reality is being sold to us, you know, like wholesale in this like one, you know, this monopoly version. Right. And it's like, and then he says like, uh, you know, that it's this sanctioned playpen of allowable like opinion and thought. Shit. And like, it's like, all right, you guys just play in here, you know, don't worry about anything going on beyond the walls. And it's like, well, wait a second, man. Like we've been playing this fucked up game of like monopoly for like, you know, decades or whatever, generations, centuries. Maybe we could, Maybe we could do something else. Like, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. if we Make talk. Make up our own shit. And that's, exactly. a, that's heavy too, man, when, when you realize that you are responsible for creating your own reality. And yeah. that your thoughts actually do affect change in the world around you, whether it be, you know, manifesting a cup of coffee when you want a cup of coffee or creating a community through a podcast. It, it, there's no limit to it. The limit is your imagination. Yeah, just whatever flavor you want to spin on it, like Hickory Barbecue, Carolina, <laughs> you know, like oh man, I like Applewoods. Right? Yeah, see, honey, Cajun. Yeah, yeah. So with no simple road, we're you're just getting genuine people who really love each other and so you guys are feeling the little bit of like rainbow of our love and also we like to you know make other people feel welcome and and you know the weary come to us and then they are freaking taken care of and hooked up yeah and that that's something that's our thing that's happened a lot from this is that we've had a lot of people physically show up here yeah and and come to the house and and stay for a couple of days and and just get loved on and mm-hmm. you know fab i hate and- it you guys i miss my little daughter in la and i come in you know we have these sweet little 20 something year olds that are kind of like trying to figure out what the hell to do with their life because they're seeing all this stuff like we're talking about with the telepathy knowing that it's true and then these parents that are stuck in paradigms that are older than dirt and still trying to be current in 2019 you got to switch it up there are young sexy grandmas out there believe me there it there well, things- you heard it here folks start dating young sexy grandmas yeah. hey man i'm just saying like That's times the key to bliss. times are changing yeah I, and it doesn't have to be what you were told and and sold. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we've been playing in this fucking weird monopoly corporate sandbox for so long. Let's try something different, man. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna move in with my best friend and my wife and my nephew and my found family when they come around, I'm gonna treat them like they live here and like like I would want to be treated and let's take that feeling that we have and where it shows and like spread it around a little bit and see what happens because I'm finding out that's magic. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. How do do you guys like, you know, I think what you totally like Melanie, what you said, like that comes through, like you guys are just hanging out and you're sharing the love and like you feel that like genuine, real people. Like that's what you feel from No Simple Road. And I'm feeling that right now from just hanging out with you guys and chatting. I hope so. I'm glad you do. We are too, man. Yeah. I got, I want to add something because this is a big thing too. Uh This was a really big thing for me when we went to it. Uh, this is the, about the Radiohead oh, experience. Okay. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been to back. a Radiohead show, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Radiohead for me. I've loved them my whole life, but we went. What was it two years ago now? Almost. Yeah. 
we went to, me and Aaron and Melanie went to a Radiohead show up here. At the Moda Center. It just blew my, and we experienced everything. Like, at the end of it, I said, Tom York and the guys, it's like they just made love to the entire arena. And we experienced like life and death and everything at that one. That one really woke me up when we came up here because Tom York is a shaman. Once they get going, there is no genre for them. There is no box. There is, you know, they are Radiohead. And Aaron saved a guy's life there. We, you know, there's a guy that was like Odin on something. Aaron physically with another guy like carried him out of the arena and then came back and was standing next to us a few moments later and i guess the point of this just anybody that listens to this if you've never experienced a radiohead show <laughs> it the, the, what was the the next day there was a review that somebody had put in a uh, oh, paper up shit, here and he said amazing. you could spend your whole life you know going to the top of mountains meditating doing yoga whatever to get there or you could just simply go to a radiohead show <laughs> nice yeah wow yeah it it that thing i think was the beginning of what we were talking about or part of the beginning of what I was talking about earlier about losing that badge and figuring out that the cat really is out of the bag and that psychedelic space has spread through culture and is creating its own culture of its of a sort and the non-culture and it's turning around at that show and seeing a dude in a suit and a kid with a mohawk and a hippie and a girl with a bone in her nose and a dude with purple hair and, and a, everybody there was a monk there was a monk, monk. yeah there. and a oh, wow. Buddhist monk. We, saw yeah. A monk we all had to ask each other do he's you taking see notes, this monk, the monk. Yeah. He, yeah he was jamming he was he fucking was dancing and having a great time and to see all those people <laughs> smiling and holding hands and into the same thing and vibing on the same frequency really says something about humanity and the capacity that we have to interconnect and come together as a species on a, on a psychic level. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely something off about somebody who like, doesn't like music, you know, like I don't, I don't know if a person like that exists, but if they do, I don't want to know them. And uh, I think we should all be afraid of that person. What do you think? Android. Yeah, they must be like an Android. Like it's, it is, it's so powerful. And like, you know, wh- what do you, what do you think it is about like, you know, cause we, Apple mentioned Tom York is like a shaman, you know? And it's like, yeah, like I've gotten that feeling before too. It's like that you're, you know, you're, you're at like this new sort of non-secular modern day version of church. You know, you got the, instead of the stained glass, you got the lights going or whatever, you know, instead of the, the preachers, you got the, the musicians, you know, like we, we, it's very like relatable to this, this feeling. Do you think, do you think that that's what it is? No, it, it, it reminds me of um, bhakti yoga, which is worship. And if you go to a Christian church, you know, that's a big part. If you go to a Catholic church, that's a big part. If you go to a Baptist church, that's a big part. The singing, the clapping of the hands, the hymns, um, Congregate. Yeah, it's the congregate people coming together with their voices, lifting them up to bring down the spirit. And that is what's happening at concerts on some scale, whatever version that you want to choose. And it's a form of bringing whatever divine out there, whatever you want to call it, like into yourself and like 
becoming one with Connected. it. It's that making love that Apple was talking about or or touching that or samadhi or whatever kind of language you want to put. It's a it's a pinnacle experience through worship well, together. And and on some level human beings have something built into them where we need ritual whether it's cooking our food or sitting around a television set or lighting a fire and dancing around it or banging a drum we as human beings crave ritual and it's something that modern culture is devoid of as far as anything sacred it's been removed systematically from our culture and from where we're at as as human beings and i think that the as silly as it sounds the music festival scene the the jam scene is the resurgence of that through the eyes and lens of the the system that we're in and the world that we've been brought up in it's our way of connecting back to that divine thing when frequency changes the actual like spin of the molecules in your body and sound begins to move through you and in you we need that as human beings and also the community of it coming together in the mind not just in body but in mind as as one unit it's something that we've needed for a really long time we if you look at indigenous people every indigenous culture has some form of ritual and so it just has to happen in modern culture that we have something come out of it and so you add psychedelics and you add sound you're going to get ritual one way or another it's going to happen so to me that's what this is is when we go to a show it's not just like you said church or it's not just going and getting high a show and whatever, man. It was fucking awesome. It's my way of connecting back to the divine and feeding it back out into the world so that thing can affect change out there through me and with me. Oh, amazing. Sound, yeah, sounds like a prayer. Through me and with me. Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> And I just was going to add the the music can provide that too. Like we've said too, we, I mean, we love doing our sacrament and stuff, but you don't need that music no. can provide that just quick Like with my, my dad was a big influence on me with music and everything. And he let that get out of his life. My dad for years, probably 20 years, hardly listened to music anymore. And he's the one that got me into jazz, all kinds of stuff. And it kind of hurt me to see that I, I worked for him and I'd be playing my music in my office. and He'd be like, turn that off. How can you work oh, with music man. on? There's the guy that doesn't like music. <laughs> yeah, but then now that just came back in November. I went to go see Fleetwood Mac with him in Vegas, which was the first concert I ever saw in my life that he took me to in 1976. So, And it Aww. brought it back. And now every time I call him or talk to him, and my stepmother said, too, he's a happier person. He started playing music again all the time. When yeah. he's in his office working, he has jazz on or Fleetwood Mac, and it's made him a happier, better grounded person again just through Aww. listening to music you know what mike it, it, apple just made me think of something too in my life so 89 was my first grateful dead show so jerry passed away in 95 from 95 to the end of 97 i was strung out on heroin and i wasn't listening to music so the only time in my life that everything fell apart is when i went away from the sound 
I was strung out on meth listening to Nine Inch Nails at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I was raising kids. It was the only time in our lives me and Aaron didn't hang out because we liked different drugs. And that's sad. That is sad. Yeah, yeah, I've 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 been there too. Not with those uh, those drugs, but you know, I was living in New York and I was in just kind of doing a lot of cocaine and like you know just out drinking alcohol like crazy, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, man, that shit, you know, can fuck you up. And what what was it that I I mean maybe I can guess, but what what did brought you guys back? You know, what what got you back into the into into the world into the world of the living? Well, that we'd have to go to Aaron and Melanie to start that because well, <laughs> Melanie kind of came into Aaron's life and I was gone to California. I, I went into self-imposed rehab in 96, I think it was, 97. I moved up to where my mom lives up by the Sierras, like in the middle of nowhere, just to dry out. just yeah, be away from everything. And then... Well, we met guys. and <clears throat> got married in 97, in November of 97. And when I met Aaron... There was no Grateful Dead smell on him anywhere. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he looked raunchy as heck, but I was homeless. <laughs> yeah, but you had a certain kind of stank, baby. He looked like he was from Seattle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, actually, he did actually. And I don't know. I I was kind of screwed up myself. I liked the junky white kind of strung out type looking and i guess that's what i got that was pop- that, i mean that was that was kind of popular though because it i was. remember being a little kid like i had an older cousin he my first introduction to music was nirvana smashing pumpkins like yeah, yeah that stuff and that so, was and beautiful so. music i mean come on when smashing pumpkins came out with um tonight that yeah. was like, was yeah. the, it was the most beautiful song I'd ever heard. You know, and yeah. that's the, around the time tonight, that Aaron and today, I, yeah, the, the music was. That's what the music stuff. Aaron and I were listening to when we were together. Yeah, was and that? I think it's funny, man. We're talking about worship and and ritual. What really brought me back to music when I Mel and I got together? She was a born again Christian, and going to this church. And, um, you know, I'm this homeless junkie in Vegas and meet this girl and she takes me to this church and they're playing like grunge worship songs at this <laughs> church. And, wow. and within it like four months, Generation I, X, Gen X, Gen yeah. X. <laughs> and I'm like leading worship at this church, you know, like playing guitar and singing for these people. And that's what brought me back to the to the music and then I started listening to the dead again and tool and stuff after that after I but that's what got me back on my feet was like seeing that music was touching people and that I needed it in my life again because I had gone so far off the rails and I guess I needed that like I hate to put it in this terms but like the baby steps of that Christian mindset to just show me that Music was the thing. No, it was just people. Like church brings together people, all kinds of people from all walks of life, all different kind of behaviors. And if you get a group of people anywhere, there's going to be sweethearts in every group. And there might be the other kind of people in that group too, but we're not focusing on that. And what the church did for me was bring me to a place where um, 
I had people my age. I had a positive place instead of some negative place to go to. And I loved grunge music Such and they were, it was just kind though. of like updated, right? It was like the, they were trying to be cool and, and, and play to that young 20 something, you know, Let's get them in the door. Yeah. Yeah. Money. Well, and they did a nice job. And so I was doing that. And plus I was a child raising a child. I was a 16 year old mom. You know, so I was super young and it gave me some structure that helped me to be a, a start to be a good parent. And then you I know? showed up and blew that shit apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Boom. Caused some chaos. Yep. He did. Yeah, we, man. Well, I allowed it. But, but now we're here. But now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know this that. And I'm, I'm grateful did. to that thing. For, <laughs> the chaos for, spit up no simple road. Yeah. <laughs> Melanie saved yeah. my brother, too. So I always tell her that. She's like, come on. It's like she's a guardian angel that came along when me and him were not in each other's lives and at our worst. And Melanie came out of that. Yeah. And yeah. really, if I'm being honest with myself, in looking if back. I'm being honest. You know, in looking back on it, like. When I wasn't in the music is when everything kind of fell, fell apart. And well, I don't know. Well, how did that happen? Like, how, what what happened for you that led you down that road? So starting getting into heroin and stuff. Yeah. So I was on tour, and at the end of that whole scene, like when right before Jerry passed away, the the Grateful Dead scene had taken a turn. Thing things were dark. You could feel it in the lot. You could feel it at the shows. Like the magic was still there. It was still happening, but it was tinged with this darkness. And there was a lot of dope in the lot and more junkies. And that wasn't a thing when I first started going. Like it just started showing up. And then when Jerry passed, it was like, imagine if, I don't know, your your small town in America, one day it just, there's no roads or streets in it anymore. And the houses are all gone and nobody has a job. That's what it was like. This mm -hmm. entire city that had traveled with the band now in a day has nowhere to go and no job. And I didn't know what to do, man. I, it was my life. Like, I lived in a school bus. I followed a rock band around. I did tattoos in a parking lot. Like that was what I did. And now all of a sudden it's been removed. And so I ended up back in Vegas floating. And that doesn't carry to a resume well. <laughs> no. And, and not to mention the, the pain of it too, because everything that I had hung my hopes and dreams on now had disappeared. So I was heartbroken and hurt. Because this thing was gone that I loved on such a deep level. And so for me, like a lot of people, when they talk about being a heroin addict, they, they say that it's like this insidious thing. They didn't realize it was happening as it was happening. And they don't not really sure why they did it and blah, blah, blah. But for me, it was very conscious anesthetizing myself to the heartbreak that I felt because I felt lost. And so I didn't want to feel that. And mm -hmm. so when I did dope, I became numb. And when I remember having these like moments of coming down and being like, oh my God, if I don't get more, I'm going to start feeling again. And all this is going to come back. Like I need to hurry up and get high again. And so 
that's how I ended up like strung out sleeping under a stairwell is, is hiding from heartbreak. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you made it, made it back and made it Thanks, out of there. Man. Yeah. That's, too. <laughs> so you can, yeah, you can do this thing that you're doing now, which I think is going to help, you know, helps a lot of people. And it's amazing. And, you know, just like, as you guys are all talking and telling, you know, these stories and thinking about, you know, Apple t- t- talking about his dad and, you know, turn that racket down, you know, and, and then kind of having a transformation and then both of you guys going through this, it's like, you know, and then even what we were talking about before about just kind of like this mainstream system that we're supposed to plug into. It's like, there's like a level of like loneliness and detachment and disconnection and stuff when you're not, you know, when you're, when you're not like kind of doing the thing that you really want to do that kind of like sings to your heart. And, you know, unfortunately I think we live in a, in a world where that's like kind of the, what they want to do is just make everyone kind of numb, detached, not feeling. And then you have people turn to, you know, heroin and meth and cocaine and stuff like, and, and those sorts of things, but no, they don't, you know, they want to keep like cannabis federally schedule one, you know, yeah. all, all these yeah. other things that could help you, you know, psilocybin, mushrooms, MDMA. No, we got to, you know, test them and research, but you know, alcohol, go ahead, buy those. Oh, you're not feeling yeah, happy. Go ahead like, and poison yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. Here's a prescription, about, you know, it's all about control. Like you're easier to control if you're dumb and not woke yeah, or whatever, numb, you know, numb you, and you, dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Numb and dumb. You're easy to control. Consume, consume, check out this commercial. Yeah, you, you need, need this. this. Yep. And you, I read something, I think it was a, a meme on Instagram, and I'm going to butcher the shit out of it. This is not <laughs> going to be verbatim, but it said, like, the things in a person's life that hurt them the worst turn out to be the gifts they give back to the world. And it really struck me. And this was just a few days ago, actually. Like, I thought, holy shit, all that stuff that I went through all that heartbreak, all the pain, all the shit disconnectedness and all that is the very thing that I can help alleviate because I've been through it. And now I know how to not make that happen. It's your special purpose. Yeah. I found my special (laughs) purpose. You found your happy place. Yeah. (laughs) I'm kind of wondering, I wonder if that was something that I posted to Instagram because I I posted this quote by uh, this author, Robert Bly, where he said, uh, where a man's wound is, that's where his genius will be. Wherever the wound appears in our psyches, whether it's from alcoholic fathers, shaming mothers, abusive mothers, whether it's from isolation, disability, or disease, that is precisely the place for which we will give our major gift to the community. Yep. Okay. You that was awesome. It. Aaron did slaughter. I told you I was going to butcher sense. it, man. No, but well, you, that's, that's what Aaron got out the of message it. of it. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah. Make it your own thing, you know, make it apply to you, which leads me to like what, what I'm thinking about next is like, you know, we're talking about all this stuff and it's just like, you know, the, we know the going to these shows and the church and the transformation, all it's like amazing stuff. And then we're, you know, there's also this fucking, stupid toxic world that we have to na- we have to navigate through it's like you know you're on a boat with your friends and you're having a good time and you're like paddling through this like sewage water how do you guys do that like how does that work for you like how do you kind of navigate sort of the fucking crazy shit that we sort of live in sometimes don't let everybody answer okay, on their own i was i was gonna say and I, i'm very well i wouldn't even say guilty of this because it's like oh i don't I've learned since we moved up here, one thing I don't do anymore, I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the shit, you know, I don't, I, I don't need to be part of that world that I used to, I used to be so hooked to my TV, 
in Vegas. It was hard for them to get me to go out and do things a lot. I was just in a box. I was up here. I just realized all that. That had that doesn't affect my day-to-day life. And, and that stuff can bring you down so much to get wrapped up in what's going in the world. I mean, you can't totally disconnect. I still hear about things. But, like, the news is bullshit. The What they're trying to feed us is bullshit. It, it's yeah. just, for me, that's how I, you know, just blocking things out of my life. And my, my dad gets mad because I'm not involved in politics anymore. You know, I don't care that much. And it's like, well, what was it yesterday when we were talking to Duncan, that thing? Ten, ten, the part of the garden that you can reach. Yeah, yeah, is what I've become more about. Instead of like, we got to, you know, if I got to do this to affect the whole world and make change, it's like, well, you, you can change what's directly in front of you. That's what you mm-hmm. have the power to do. Be here now, yeah. type thing for you know. So Mel, well, I'm like Apple in that fact where I don't listen to the news or anything like that, um, and it's. I just choose to live a simpler life in in thought. My I like to have simple thoughts. I don't need to have this complexity because I've did that for a really long time. My airheaded ways and I don't mean like <laughs> I, I just like I get lost in my thoughts. Where's I my keys? Yeah, like I have <laughs> this whole entire fun reality that's going on up there and then I'm like, "Oh shit, I'm driving." I need to be, um, that's my exit. Like I like almost like drop in on my life. And I don't know if that's from psychedelics. I don't know if that's Melanie. I don't know what that is, but I realized that, you know, what I get mad about is when I go to a concert and then they turn on the lights and all the cups are on the floor. <laughs> That's what I'm passionate about. And so She's what? It's not bullshit. What do I do? Security has to make her stop picking stuff. Security up like, will stop leave. me from picking up cups from the floor because I need to, you know, leave the premises. And you know, I that bothers me. Why is it all these people full of love one minute and then the next minute they're throwing their shit on the ground? And yeah. so my little personal mission is to pick up as many cups as I can on my path to where I'm going. So I think that's a metaphor for the bigger thing. So if, if one of those news stories happens to come to me in a personal way, then that's how I will deal with it. But I'm not going to also like contribute, um, the anxiety kind of worried, kind of, um, scared energy. I'm about healing and love and fun. So that's the vibe Those I like to jump things. on. Those are good stuff. Ryder? Yeah. I would have to say um, mine. I'm a lot similar. I, I do pay attention to the news, but not like TV news. I get my news from like YouTube and stuff like that. But for the and most last part. Last week tonight with John Oliver, we both like that one. That is, well, that's, that's more comedy <laughs> than news. Um, but mostly I just, like I don't do social media very much. If I'm on stuff like that, it's usually to look at like, Videos of dogs and cats. Adorable. <laughs> pretty much so many good. Yeah. yeah. Be careful. Um, you go down a wormhole. Oh, yeah. Fluffy yeah. pets. That's all, it's all I do. Um, so, yeah, I guess I more stay out of it than anything else. I, I think we all do a very similar thing and just kind of work with what you got in front of you, like what you can put your hands on yeah. Yeah. disconnect from that stuff we were taught to be connected to all our lives and like you, know, you need to be connected to this no we don't for me i've never been one of those people that's hooked on the news 
Um, you're very informed, but, babe. But you're I, know, always I was just telling me, let me you're the guy. I know what's going on, but I realized a while back that like what's happening out there, whether it's some great cabal in a room somewhere having it all planned out or not, or it's just the way shit is, they want us to be afraid. They want our anxiety and they want our fear. So, you know, your question was like, how do you navigate that sewage? And I just don't live in that world anymore, man. I, I just choose not to be a part of that in my thoughts and my daily life. Yeah, I'm in the world and I have to go to the grocery store and drive my car and put gas in it and all that shit. But I don't have to take part in the game. I can take part in my game. I'm in charge of what's in my head. <laughs> and and what I and think what you put what in you it. and what yeah, I put in it and what comes in. out of it. And so for me, I take care of my family. I love the people that are around me. And I work at creating an atmosphere where we're free to be who we need to be so that the world around us can change because of that. And it has. And, it really has. And like... Fuck those guys. <laughs> well, that, but, but also we all we all navigate a, a sewagey kind of me and Aaron more than than uh, Apple and Mel. Apple and Mel, like a a, a daily life, we work for a, a corporation, <laughs> and I like when it comes to that, it's more for me at least, like a a go with it kind of thing. Like I like roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. And for I, me, it's a means to an end. Yeah, and, and well, and for for me, I I work, I have my dream fucking job. That's another yeah, thing that yeah. happened to me. I know, <laughs> I do. Whatever, well, man. it's part of me. And you I guys do said, too, actually. So yeah, Melanie's yeah. worked in and out of the cannabis industry alongside me at two places we worked at. But I, my job now, I'm I'm flower inventory manager for a for a dispensary. So what oh, I do you're, is you're a weed dealer. I, yeah, I meet with gardens every day to for them to bring me samples <laughs> and then the I have to come home. I have to come home and smoke those every night <laughs> so I know whether it's good and we want to buy Testing. it. So yeah. I never I'm going to be 50 in May and I never thought in my life that I would have a job like this and it has made me such just a a grounded, happy person yeah. that helps me really block has. that stuff. I, I spent a lot of my life, like most people, like I used to love to argue politics and religion and stuff just for the sake of arguing. Now it's like, I don't got time for that. Yeah, my shit, time huh? is about being happy and passing on to, you know, like Aaron, like we were talking about, like being a teacher, just, I work with a lot of young people and I realize like they, they look up to me, but now I realize I look up to them too, because we're constantly teaching each other and cannabis industry is just amazing what's happening across this country. You're a lucky dude. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I have a couple cousins that live out in Portland. I wonder if they work at the same dispensary. Oh, <laughs> oh really? shit. Yeah. Is it I don't know. I'd have, I'll have to ask him. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that the overall answer to that is we've created our own reality. And yeah. if the outside things happen to cross into our reality, then we think about them and talk about them intelligently. Like, um, what was that? The Berenstein Bears, Berenstein Bears, yeah, the, the, the Mandala the, effect. The Mandela oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that, as a family, we just had the funniest. Because it shook it all of us. Yeah, it, it freaked us all out as a yeah. family. Yeah, um, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, but we just, we you know. We focus more on the ship than yeah. the sewage. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, Ryder. That's Ryder said great... we focus more on yeah. the ship yeah. than the sewage. I That's like cool. That. that was profound. 
No, that's that's great, man. I, I loved everything that you guys said. I think that's that's just right on the money because it's like at the end of the day, you have like and uh, I know a lot of you guys brought up the news and stuff and like, man, I used to so I used to do this other podcast where I was talking about the news all the time and shit and and I just decided to just eject from that and start Mike Adelic. And I, I still kind of talk about some stuff, but I'm not so heavily attached. I'm, I don't have a TV. I don't watch the news. That's like probably the worst thing that you could do because they want you to hop into that frequency. You know, it's like mm -hmm. that fear paradigm is like, that's what they're selling. And if you give them the eyeballs, if you give them the attention, like they're going to do it because they can't do it without the attention. They can't do it without the clicks, without the eyeballs, without, you know, people hooking into that frequency. They need like participation from, from people like that. So I always say too, and I'm glad all you guys said the same thing because this is, this is how I think it is too. It's like, just fucking just, create your own shit, detach from that. Like, you know, just don't participate in that, in that, in that frequency that's being put out. Hop on yeah. another one. There's so you know, many out there. I want to say one thing that it's very important. I feel you're saying the same thing too, for listeners out there, by no means am I saying we can't make a difference by like, like I'm not saying don't go vote and don't be involved in your world. Yeah, that's, that's very true. important. We can create yeah. change and that does matter, but Just you don't, don't need to be caught up in it every day to where you're losing friends over arguing over Trump or well, things and, like yeah. that. On, is on, what, right, on another right, level yeah. too. And it's something that's not talked about a lot is like, like I said, there's a dossier from the CIA about remote viewing telepathy and mind control. So, if they've written a fucking dossier and can give you instructions on how to do it, they know what the fuck they're doing, man. So, yeah. so letting them dictate to you what your reality is or what thoughts are going to be in your head, you're really playing a dangerous game with people that are good at spinning and creating reality. Look at the and world what they try to use it for. So I always like, tell watch the watch well, that movie Men Who Stare at Goats or read look the book. At them, yeah, I, like look at the how like it's a set. It's a movie set. It's a facade. They are they have hair Ooh. and makeup and they wear clothes that they wouldn't normally wear in their regular lives and they're coming to you from yeah. like, and they the and they talk like this today yes. in news. Donald yeah. Trump tweets that's, that everybody's gay and that's <laughs> right and and that's gonna be like what is gonna bother me at three o'clock in the afternoon like no thank you i have i have better things to do with my Shit three o'clock time yeah Nobody i gotta got go take for darwin for a walk i want to listen to the birds chirp well, I, I mean i want to get back to simpler stuff and not for nothing like there i i totally uh, admire people that want to change the world and devote their life to making a difference on a larger level it's but it does come down to not letting it ruin your life like if you want to make a difference have a good time making a difference yeah. i just keep thinking as we're talking about this the lyrics to i'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round uh -huh. John Lennon, yeah. i just had to let it go but I just well, had to let it go yeah he's like i love to watch them go like yeah <laughs> yeah bye yeah <laughs> Man. talked about this on Duncan yesterday a little bit too about Leela, the game. And, you know, it's very poetic to think that 
we have all these choices, all these people, all these smells, all these experiences, all these locations. There's so it's a puzzle that can never be done twice the same. And what we're doing, our mold is our mold. And we want everybody to find up and hook up your own mold. And if our molds cross right on, we're always going to be welcoming and loving and help you on to your next thing. And if we can be like that, then the people that we touch and reach, they'll be like that. And then the people that they know, they'll be like that. And that's how you spread and make a difference in the world. So I do think that we're making a difference in the world. It's just not how everybody else does. It's how we do. Right. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I'm thinking like right now I can imagine like just, and, and myself too, it's like, what, what have you guys like, I mean, you already shared a lot of, of great wisdom for sure. And I was just wondering if there was any more to it than like, you know, walking this path, figuring these things out. Like how can people kind of like, you know, listening to this, like, man, I want to make a change. Like I want to, I want to live in a house with my friends and like do something cool. Like what are some things that you learn along the way and that you're still learning now? And that like, maybe you could share with some people to like, see if, you know, that, that maybe that helped them on their way. Well, like, like practically yeah. you, you have to have to be honest about the connection with the people you're wanting to do anything with. Like we're all in a relationship up here and we also have mutual respect for each other. So you have to really be honest. Like, do I really want to be with these people? And if the answer is yes, there are so many ways to orchestrate that, you know? And I think for me, if hearing you ask that, the first thing that comes to mind is do it. Yes. Don't don't, yeah, just, don't say, just, just fucking do talk it. about it, man. Like when you when you do it, then you'll start seeing the fruit of it. It's when you're sitting around talking about it, it's fun. But there has to come a time where the rubber meets the fucking road. I hate that saying, but ah. there has to come a time it's where a, it's a like, you know what? Yeah. I, I'm done talking. It's time for action. And I think the the path kind of reveals itself as you go, as you get on it, you just decide to put your foot on it and I'm going to walk. And then you start taking steps one after another. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, there's, there's a tree over there. Oh, there's a flower. I'm going to pick that up. Look at that thing over there. And it kind of shows you itself as you're doing it. It's just making the decision and sticking to it. Yeah, and that's what that's why I was going to be like. Just just do it is what we had oh, that's to do. Awful. I've heard that. I know, I know. But it, it, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We just, yeah, you just, and the thing to me too, which we had just to not. Do, you can't look too far far ahead. No, you just have to take what comes in front of you. True. We had to just dive into this. We didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. And what's the worst thing, people, that's going to happen if you try something and don't succeed? You can go right back to sitting around planning the next thing. Yeah. You know, you can go right back to where you were, you know, you can move back to that place or whatever, but you're never going to know unless you go ahead and try it. And, I also and it's scary. Already. It's scary. You got to sacrifice a little. We had to, we all had to sacrifice and Privacy. move away from family and friends that we've had our whole lives. That was hard to do, uh, yeah. but we just did it. And now it's organic. Yeah, we're don't figuring be, it out don't, day by day. And yeah, the last thing I'll say about it is, well, if you well I, for me if you're letting fear be your decision maker 
or your thing that's stopping you from doing something, you're making the wrong decision. Fear is never right. going to lead you where you need to be. Well, so it's not. It, there's a difference between being trepidatious about something and being fearful, lead you, but being afraid. You. I don't know. Fear. Yeah, being a little nervous about something. Fear yeah, got me fear here for sure. I was I was afraid of staying in Vegas. Fear got me here. <laughs> okay, he's sure. got a point too because we were afraid of staying in Vegas. Me and Aaron yeah. were yeah. we're totally uh, stagnant. It's kind of a well, good point because like, and even what we were talking about like the news and crap like that. It's like you kind of have to maybe like let like be aware a little bit so you could be like, okay, cool. Like this is this is something that I know that I don't want, or this is something that I know that that's going on that I don't want right. to participate in. So you're like, all right, I know what I don't want. Now it's like what do I want? Yeah. But so you're not kinda... making the decision like, I'm afraid to do that, so I'm not going to do it. That's what right, I'm exactly. about. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't there, let fear yeah. stop you. Yeah. There's a certain amount of luck, too, I think, that is being left out. And that's like luck, magic, or whatever, that um, we're all very fortunate to have each other. We get along so well. And we, when we don't get along, we get along without getting along. Well, yeah. there's somehow or another we... That's, the we, last part of it, like perseverance, like you're not going to get along with everyone all yeah. the time. You got to, but you just do it anyways. You're going to get along again eventually. We're all it, fortunate to have happens. each other. And I think that's our underlying thing. And that goes for everybody out there. Yeah. We are not just, Mel's not just talking about us here on the porch or you, Mike, she, all of us, we're fortunate to have each other. And yeah, yeah if you're not, things aren't going the way you thought they were going to go. Like that's how shit happens. Like it's, yeah, things are never going to go the way you thought they were going to go. You just got to keep sticking it out and doing it. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be exactly the way you thought it was. So keep at it. Yeah. This is a great time right here. Just talking. It helps. Uh, this has all become, I mean, imagine for you too, it becomes essential to everyday life, your podcast, because you are always thinking about it. It's therapeutic when we go, doesn't happen often, but sometimes we'll have a weekend that we actually set up to have a break with no interviews, and we fucking all miss it. It's like it's like oh, it's really nice relaxing, and then we find ourselves like God, I had something to say today. Two weeks max. That he, yeah, that's the most you got. Yeah, it's Two become essential to what we are. Yeah, it's so funny. I I get into like. If I'm talking with people or something, I'm like, oh shit, like that, that'd be good for the podcast. And like, I have to like write kind of, it's, it's like this weird thing where it's like, it's good, it's good, but it also, it pulls me out of the moment. But like, it's also like, I got to write this down, otherwise I'm going to forget it, you know, and it's going to be good for the show. Oh, yeah. Be good for other people. Yeah. I yeah. Found, that, that definitely happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I just off that, my, I started doing something because i forget everything all the time I, whenever that happens i uh i connect a thought to like a song i'll find a song and listen to it real quick so the next time i listen to that song it'll bounce back into my head so i don't have to take time to like write it down oh that's amazing that's a great way to stuff yeah like, yeah you remember it through song association I, I have a terrible memory and i've been having to figure out like new ways to actually remember things in general so that's that's been the newest addition to yeah I've, I've been like sometimes if i if i i'm like oh shit i'm gonna forget this i need to remember it i just i yell at siri i'm like siri take it's like the personal <laughs> assistant i'm like take this down for me and then she like doesn't get it right and i'm like ah oh, forget it. that that's an option we even have that 
other listening device in our house. Yeah. I don't. I hate Alexa. That. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it too. I'm it's against my least it all the favorite way. Thing. It never works right. Everyone's just <laughs> yelling at the fucking kitchen. It's That's awful. Yeah. It's awesome when everybody's <laughs> yelling at terrible. nothing. It's fucking great. It's always listening to us. No. It's just, just going to get worse because right right now we have the uh, the Alexa thing, but pretty soon everything will have that. So you'll just be yelling at everything in your house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder too, like how far all that's really going to go, man. I I don't know as what I was we'll watching or. Yeah. There you go. As far as we'll let it. Yeah. Uh, that, right? They were, they had like, oh, it was that stupid fire festival document. Oh, yeah. That, oh, my God. So. When they went to the festival, they had there was no cash, and they had these bracelets that had an RFID on them and a barcode, and you had to load the wristband with money before you went to the festival. And I thought to myself, how long before that's the thing? Like that's just like implanted in your hand. Yeah, people, people pay with that. with their watch all the time. Okay, that's so all, we're there. Never mind. Already I mean, it, it is kind of just a debit card. Just crazy. on your wrist, and they're all, no, they yeah, already totally. have like chips that you can put in in your hand. Yeah, we're already in the future, you guys. It's already here. Yeah, and it'll go as far as we'll let it go. So that's why you just focus right now, because you're in the present and in the future and in the past all at the same time. For if sure. you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that like there's going to be some people like myself, you know, maybe you guys that like don't want to get, you know, microchip implants or like you know VR, you know brain augmentation or stuff like that but i think a lot of people are going to really want that you know people are going to be psyched they're going to be like what i could just our own son is all into it he's like like, that sounds rad i'd like (laughs) to think that i wouldn't get a vr brain implant but i also would kind of fucking love it see i i i think that there's definitely a lot of people that love it i you know I don't know. I like simple things. I like to touch. I like to hug. I like to. I like long walks on a on a, on a beach. Technology is you like pina coladas. Yeah, yeah. Technology's not the demon that we all make it out to be. I don't. No. I don't think it, it's just like money. It's a tool. And right, technology connected us. Technology yeah. Yeah. in yeah. At, at its base it's like is how we do no simple roads. So I'm grateful to that shit for being out there. It's all in how we use it and what we decide to do with it. Mm-hmm. There's a right. dark yeah, side to the, the level of consciousness and the intention, but like acting with it. Yeah. There's a dark side and a light side to everything. Same with that technology. It's, or a you, touch you, of gray. You can go bad with it, or it can be great. Yeah. We are in control of that technology too, which is a lot. Of, we've talked about that many times. It's not controlling us. We have control of it. You just got to take it. Yeah, well, you, you, know, you, you can, can definitely it. let it give you control. There are a majority of the population that lets let it control you. Yeah. Like right now, I'm hooked on Pagel. So oh well, that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a time waster. But what? it's so this game Pagel. I'll sell my soul to that soul. <laughs> it, it can burn yeah. up a yeah. lot of time. This then you a, realize. <laughs> This is a good segment. What's everybody currently hooked on right Peggle. now? Technology is hooking you. I, I'm I'm stuck on Instagram. Instagram because of the show, Mm-mm. right? I guess yeah, anything. I'm I'm stuck on Marco Polo and FaceTiming my little grandson. That's that's my 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 jam right there. <laughs> yeah, mine's yeah. mine's YouTube and and Peggle. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 gonna be saying Peggle soon too because after the show, I'm gonna apologize Peggle. to What's you. What are they talking yeah. about? Yeah, it's, don't 
don't let them it, you only get a certain amount of lives don't let them actually hook you into paying for lives just use it as, yeah, a, you use it as a cue yeah. to stop playing they got me hooked on it they were playing it like it's been like two weeks ago now they're all out here playing it and i was like i'm not one to game much and i'm, I'm like that looks stupid when, and then i'm sitting there watching it next thing i know i downloaded it now i'm you know a couple weeks into it <laughs> i'm on level 482 <laughs> uh-uh, i'm only on level 60 no 73 Whatever. it's oh, hard gosh. it's a hard fucking game man <laughs> anyway check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm totally gonna check it out. Hashtag nonsense. Yeah, yeah. No, hopefully, Pagel sends us a bunch of right? credits. <laughs> no, just give me free lives. But there's something there's something cool about that. Like it's like okay, fine. Like as long as it doesn't like rule your life and you wind up like you know foaming at the mouth in a ditch somewhere. Like you know because you're just addicted to. Oh God, playing Pagel. And I'll, I'll be honest. I am grateful they limit your lives because I'll only play it for like. <laughs> Four hours. Yeah, like four hours instead of constantly and never. Put That's it down. the balance between all the other stuff, you know, like the all work, no play ethic is outdated. You know, you need to have a little bit of salsa on the side. You have to have some zest. You know, you have to have a dance party every now and then. You have to have time for prayers. You have to have time for taking bath. You have to have time for your friends. Like, that's the beauty yeah. of it you and know like you have something... to be able to just mind like numb your mind out and just be like, like and the one so she what? mentions it's the best and she's the leader of it is the dance party mel will come home from where we're a bunch of dudes sitting around just boom, boom, mel will show up blasting her music in her car jump out <laughs> put something on the you know the bluetooth out here and just start dancing next thing you know we're all dancing Ooh, in the driveway nice. boom dance party <laughs> yeah, I think we, we you know we certainly need like those moments, you know. I mean, like we wouldn't be it wouldn't be worth like living life if you didn't have those moments of escape and like total freedom and just, you know, just doing something like that. That's that for me, you just said it. Those I I wanted to have a life where it wasn't escape to be in that moment anymore. Like it wasn't opposite my life to be at a show and be high. It was my, my life. It was what I did. It wasn't opposite anymore. It wasn't away. And I think that all of us out there, we have the ability to make things the way we want them. I think a lot of it has to do with what we've been sold and misconceptions we have about the way things work. And just, I think if anything you're going to get out of all the talk that we've had today is that you can do anything you fucking want, man. <laughs> do your shit. Because if you've had the idea, that's yours. Go do it. Don't be afraid. You know who was a big inspiration that I forgot about till just right now? Was um, D'Antward. They were a huge inspiration yeah. in moving to Portland yeah. and in um, the confidence that it took to continuously speak our truth on the show and not have panic attacks every time we said something do you know who they are mike uh no who uh what was the They're, name again they d-i-e and then a-n-t-w-o-o-r-d so, oh yeah i know them yeah. what yeah. Really? Ninja, oh yeah Andy. huge impact ninja, on me and Mel. oh shit okay yeah. like it ninja and yolandi impacted me in such a way that it was like a Grateful Dead or a Radiohead experience. Wait, how? Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay, can you explain that a little bit more? That sounds <laughs> yeah. that's really interesting because I know them, and I mean, I don't know them personally, but I mean, I've seen their their work and like you know, 
watch their, their Apple video. turned me on to to them before we left Vegas and it was like you got to see this fucking video these people are a trip it's so yeah, there's, different there's definitely from... nobody like them no. No. and it's in your face honesty yep and so i started digging into who they were because it intrigued me there was a lot of like magical symbolism in their stuff and they were just out there and i realized what they're about their whole zeph thing is exactly what the grateful dead is is exactly what all, everything we've been talking about today it's being true to yourself no matter what the world or society tells you i'm gonna fucking cut my bangs straight across and shave the back of my head <laughs> i'm gonna have black eyeballs and you know if that's what you want Fucking do it. Who gives a shit what anybody and says? And they're cute. They don't eat meat. And they're healthy. And they, and they love on each other. And, and they won't sign to a record label. They could care less about the industry. They do their own thing. They've turned down so many offers of ways to like blow up around the world. And they're like, fuck you. We are yeah, that huge life. inspiration. Wow. We, are, we are who we are. And deal with it. And I honestly... like. I, Ninja's my spirit animal. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I have like I love him. I think he's rad. I love his style, his flow, and just the way that he. It's the thing is is in I'm like in myself like my natural state. I love to be like soft spoken and mild mannered, but then I love to like explode and like dance mm-hmm. and be crazy and. His style matches my style. Like, that's exactly how I would do it if I were him. <laughs> and he's just rad. And so I feel like in my in my version, that's how I live my life with my family. Like, my Zeph style. Zeph, baby. And yeah. it's a cool, you want to see Mel fucking move. All you got to <laughs> do is throw on DeAntwerp and she's fucking, get out of the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, like they're so unique and there's no one like them. And all that stuff is is like you just don't hear that anymore, like turning down no. label offers and stuff. And when you when you when someone's out there doing that, it's like a fucking like, yeah, like it's permission to say like to everyone else, like you can do this, too. You know, it's like it's, like, it's yeah. a, this is this can happen. Yeah. One That's of my favorite things thing. is that the fuck Kanye and fucking uh, Drake tried to kind of grab onto them and promote them, and Ninja was straight up like, "Fuck you guys! Why do you even want to talk to me? I, I don't <laughs> like you. You don't like me. You're trying <laughs> you to make money out flow. of this. Piss off!" <laughs> right? Yeah. No, good for them. That's the way. That's mm-hmm. be in my They're opinion. Not playing you know? that game. And that's the that's the example of. Somebody just being themselves, affecting change out in the world. Like they, they yeah. don't know us. Their Fucking, I never version. met them, but they changed our life. They gave us seeing them gave me the uh, courage to do what we did by moving to Portland. And they are yeah. a spectacle to see. If you oh haven't, if you have a chance to see the Antwerp, oh my God, you talk about energy. It's like a fucking high impact aerobics class for oh, fucking yeah. two hours. Wow. All right. Put it on the list. Yeah. I, got it, I got it down. Yeah, I mean, th- this is great stuff, guys. And like, you know, you, oh, you're man. you're talking about like Aaron, like you know, creating your your own reality. And you know, earlier you mentioned something about magic and ritual and stuff. And like, I was like, yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Let's talk about that. What's going on with that? I'm I'm interested to learn like how is uh, what you know how you got involved with that, and then like what what that looks like, and how that sort of practice or those things have have helped you on your way, like. 
the the use of 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 magic and ritual well like i talked about when getting off the street going to the born again christian church and all that and before that um i have i had four older brothers one of them passed away and uh one of my older brothers was really into crowley and magic growing up mm. and he was a somebody that i looked up to my brother like you know you look up to your older brothers and he was also a junkie <laughs> and uh he's the one that introduced me to magic and uh so it had been a part of my life ever since i was in shit junior high school like you know seeing symbolism on record covers and you know all the stuff that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s like it was integrated into pop culture at the time and for me like it was really uh intriguing it it, it wasn't like a for power or any of that i just wanted to know what it all meant you know what i mean i felt like there was like this secret don't let lang- him lie to you guys secret <laughs> language going on that that i could learn about and Let so i want to interject something too because you you were drawn to it from me we known each other our whole lives so you were drawn to it at a very young age yeah. i remember you and one of our friends doug were very into looking at books of black match all kinds of things and it kind mm-hmm. of turned me on he always had a thirst for it yeah and it was brought to it by his brother who was a wise cool yeah. person and so mm-hmm. when i got older after mel and i left that whole scene and what scene at church and all that like i was gravitated back to my roots and um joined an an order called the ordo templi orientis the oto uh, back in 2008 and uh went through their initiatory process and you know like you see like stuff about the masons and all the conspiracy stuff about them and like initiation of the degrees and masonry and all that. And I, I always wondered if there was something to it. So in my mind, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to do it and find out like same thing with going on the road with the dead. Like, fuck it. I'm going to do it and find out what it's about. So I did the same thing with that. And, you know, going through that, I would hear stories from other people as I'm going through the degrees of like them having these amazing transitional experiences and these profound life. And it just wasn't happening for me. And I was, you know, like, okay, well, I'm just going to stick it out. Like, I'm going to see what's going to happen. And the end of the initiatory process that you can voluntarily go through in the OTO is the fourth degree and then PI, which is perfect initiated. And, they happen at the same time. You do those degrees at the same time. And I did them and they symbolize, uh, annihilation basically in, uh, a soul being annihilated and then reintegrated back into the world. And I went and did the initiation and the next day my entire world fell apart. Like having problems at my job, me and Mel were on the rocks all of a sudden having problems with my kids. I was at home, like everything that had given me comfort in the past didn't fucking fit anymore. And like, I was looking at my clothes in the closet and it looked like it was somebody else's shit in there. Like, and I realized like, Oh my God, 
this thing is real. This process that I've been through, I've been going through for the past six years, finally did its work. And it was at that point that I realized, like, I have to put myself back together now. And I can do anything I want. I can put myself back together any way I choose and put the pieces back how I want them instead of what was imposed on me through nature and nurture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So magic gave me that gift through the initiatory process. And, and dude, I'll tell you, it's not for everybody. It's not, that's not something that, you know, it's, it's like taking a heroic dose of mushrooms or smoking a huge dose of DMT. It can blast you apart. And that's not for everybody. And But for me, I've found that that practice really altered my life and helped me get to where I am right now. And at this point in my life, like it's just become part of who I am. There's no, like, I'm not wearing a black robe and standing in the middle of a pentagram anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's part of who I am. And those things that I learn through that have become part of how I move and shape the world. I mean, I pay attention to, you know, astrology and, and symbolism and sigil magic and all that stuff is part of no simple road. And I mean, if you look at the logo for our, our yeah. show, it's, it's integrated into it and it's just part right. of who we are. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you went through the, the, all these experiences. I think it's like, it's still building. It's like forming, you're not one identity. You're not one thing, but no. all these experiences, all this learning is informing you and creating yeah. new stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, that's awesome. Um, cool, man. Well, I think, you know, we're at, we're at like two hours now. I think, yeah, I think we're, we're, I know. we're coming to we're the end. I, I'm I, starving. I, I, I love you guys for spending time with me. I just, uh, no, I just have we're... one last like round that I want to do and then I'll relinquish you from the freezing cold depths of the porch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious, I'm curious to know, like, uh, it could be either your first psychedelic experience or you know, the most profound psychedelic experience that you had. And if you want to share that, that would be, that'd be really cool. Okay. Aaron's pointing at me. So, um, this is Apple. I'll go first. Um, okay. I would say most profound, like that aha moment for me was when I went to my first grateful dead show that Aaron got me to go to the silver bowl in Las Vegas. Uh, it, I went there in the parking lot. I was very skeptical, like I said before. I didn't want to be there, but I knew my brother found something that I had to check out. And in the parking lot, I remember I, I ate a bag of mushrooms, like an eighth of mushrooms, was just chomping on them. To you know, Aaron's like, "Dude, you need to do this. Trust me." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> go inside." On the way in, we get to our group of friends down on the floor, which then I learned like about the fill. It's like we're in the fill zone. I didn't know what that was. I later found out what the fill zone was <laughs> when that base is just pounding in your chest and you can hardly breathe and. So what my moment was there, I took a hit of acid also on top of that. Because what do you do when you're tripping out on mushrooms? You take more drums. Yeah, that's what you do, yeah. (laughs) So it was when Drums in Space came on. I'd I'd started to dance and getting into it, and Aaron's smiling at me, and he's seeing that I'm getting it. And uh, everybody, like, sits down during Drums in Space while I stood up. And I didn't even realize it until Aaron, like, pointed 
I was one of like those like like a dozen, maybe twenty people in the whole stadium that's just dancing their ass off to drums. And it that that's the moment that hit me and then it went into Fire on the Mountain. And that is still nice. my jam because that's the song that really pulled me out of what I was and showed me there was something else. And you know, that and so you know, Scarlet Fire it's Scarlet Fire. It was Scarlet Begonias and then into Fire on the Mountain. And that just to this day it, it changed my life. It made me a different person. It uh brought that magic into my world and reconnected me with my brother that we had a, you know, hadn't been that close for a couple of years because I didn't get it. He was already there. And that I, mean, I really was high and walked out of there and that high has carried on with me to this day. Thirty years. Nice. Mel? Me? Ryder? Okie doke. Um, I would have to say the most profound one um, would actually be my uh, trip to... I saw Tool at the Gorge. And it was... Like, I... We were just talking about magic and all that, and I'd been kind of getting into that whole thing, and weird things had been happening and like I, I made my keys appear out of my closet one time <laughs> little things like that but that was the first time that like it was real like well, I saw them and they opened a portal to another place and something came through and pulled my brain into that portal into that other place and I sat there and, and talked with it, and then it spit me back out right into my body, and I landed on the grass in the in the gorge, and it was just <laughs> sounds fun. It was amazing. Awesome. <laughs> sounds like perfect bliss. It mm-hmm. really was. But I mean, and it was tool. like it was it was wasn't bliss. It was grungy for sure. It was <laughs> a little bit dirty. It house. was dark. I'm I'm used to. Most of my trips have been at like dead shows where it's all happy and do 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 do. No, Tool comes at it from a different yeah, angle. Yeah, Tool. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Chewed me out, chewed me up, and spit me out, but in the the best possible way. Nice, nice. Are we talking about uh, the what? Our psychedelic, most profound either, psychedelic either your experience. first or first or psychedelic most, experience. Uh, or yeah, or yeah, yeah, first time or the best. One of whatever. my most profound was actually on um, at a Burning Man regional in Las Vegas. Um, I think it might have been like the year before we left uh, Vegas and we had met <clears throat> this these friends there and um, I couldn't sleep. It was like, you know, six in the morning the next day and I'm Gosh. roaming around, you know, this, like Las Vegas. It's already a hundred something degrees at like 6 a.m. in Vegas in the desert and I went to my friend's uh, trailer, and he and I. Um, oh, there's Darwin. Uh, Darwin. Yeah. See Darwin. <laughs> Him and Sam are playing over there. <laughs> He's riled up, and uh, we did Salvia, and oh. I had probably the most uh, orgasmic laughter. I've ever experienced. I didn't even know to put those two things together, but I laughed so hard. And it was one of the first times that that had happened to me where I couldn't stop laughing and it felt so good. And like the, the, the plant put me down. Like I was, had visuals, I had all these amazing things and 
it was such a short duration of time, but it impacted me. It etched a, like a, you know, a spot in my emotional brain and yeah. And it impacted me like forever. And, um, I won't throw this in there, but just another DMT with the laughter experience. Like (laughs) for me somehow or another, when I'm, I'm in that state I feel blessed enough to get these fits of laughter that like almost come from like she laughs the crazy. It's, it's like crazy. And it, she like, she had full on glossolalia. She <laughs> was she was speaking another language yeah. literally. Oh my god! And and I've been there. <laughs> and it was crazy. And then came down and took another hit of salvia and started speaking it again. And I had that wow. same exact word. Um, in, Barchin. Barchin. <laughs> in, my, in like I couldn't stop saying everything was that word and that word was everything and <laughs> that I, could, I couldn't say anything else because that's what it was so yeah that was my most profound um, and it had nothing to do with music it had all to do with just Quiet. that you know nature wow yeah wow uh, um I- this morning, sitting here on the porch, talking to you. No, um, it's that quaalude in seventh grade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, about two years ago, um, here at the house, uh, smoking DMT in Apple's room. Oh yeah, that. I had always heard about people breaking through on DMT, and I thought I had, and I did. I actually did that night. And went through that veil of psychedelic geometric shapes and it exploded. And then I was in that place of machinery and color and light. And um, there was someone there that was waiting for me and started downloading stuff into me. And at the time I was close to 300 pounds and uh, really sick, sick in my body and in my head, a lot of like, just anxiety and trauma and stuff from the past and started taking all that stuff and removing it and showed me how to breathe. And it gave me my own yoga, which sounds really weird now. Oh my but gosh, Mike, the craziest shit. So like he's going through his DMT trip and we'd all like taken turns and he was the last one. And so he laid back and, he automatically put his fingers in a mudra and it, it's in Gyan mudra and it's he's doing that perfectly has his arms up at the exact same height at the exact angle in perfect Gyan mudra like in in yoga position and and this is not likely for Aaron that's not something no, that he I don't remember it yeah and it, and there's a picture of that too. I took a picture of that. Yeah, we all yeah that, it's like yeah. That, that getting back to like you talking another language and then doing them this mudra. Yeah. And these are very kind of like you know ancient kind of infinite eternal symbolic things, right? So I just remember it like you've done DMT before. It's like trying to describe a dream to somebody else. What I'm telling you is not the fullness of the experience, but like, Oh yeah, of course. Having it, it was showing me how to breathe and like how to move my body correctly. And then, um, 
I thought I was coming out of it and I opened up my eyes and the dog was sitting next to me and the pipe was on the table and I was like, oh shit, the dog's tail's going to knock the pipe off the table. And I got up because I thought it was over to move the pipe and it hit me again. And I remember it showing me how it was going to feel to be 110 pounds lighter. Like I could feel the body that I'm in now inside of that body, like a fat suit in a movie and like mm. moving across the room being like, Oh shit. And within, um, within a year of that trip, I lost all the weight and started the podcast, started the podcast and kicked the hep C and got cured of hepatitis C. Oh, wow. Holy shit. So, yeah, and you were trying to bail on class early, and the teacher was like, hey, man, you're not done here. <laughs> yeah, sit down. You got more to learn. Yeah. You nailed it, Mike. That's totally. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> sit down, fatso. Yeah, dude. And I, I heard McKenna say, like, he's asked, like, what's your favorite psychedelic? And he's like, DMT. And they're like, when's the last time you did it? He's like, 1967. And I, <laughs> I never understood that, but I get it now. Like, I, I haven't done it since. And it's not because I'm afraid or I, I don't have any need. I'm still unpacking that trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of unpacking to do for sure. I mean, I, I spent four months living with shamans in the Amazon jungle in Peru drinking ayahuasca. And, you know, like, oh, we're about this in the, in our basement like what was that like wait what was that like oh well that was i mean it was amazing it was it was a a great experience and um yeah i could i mean i'd be happy to talk about it more but it's like there's a lot to say about it but it was just it was phenomenal it was amazing and you know, but like you're, I, I've, de- I've done DMT once. Uh, well, I, that's not true. Vaped DMT a couple times. And, uh, and then those ayahuasca experiences, you know, there are DMT experiences in a different form. Um, but I, I reached a point where it was like, you know, it's time to come home. It's like, dude, your, your work right now with this is good. Like you got like a lot of shit that you, you opened the closet and like all the junk that you've been like hiding in the, in your house, like has been in there. You gotta, you gotta unpack all that stuff, organize it, clear it out. And you know, yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it a hundred percent. Yep. Unpack yeah. the luggage. That's right. Yeah. Well, guys, man, this has been awesome. Uh, I got to say, yeah. this has been like one of my favorite conversations. Apple, Ryder, Melanie, Darwin, Sam, who I don't even hear from, but apparently is there. You guys, all, <laughs> Aaron, you guys all, you, you, you performed the lines of the script I sent you perfectly. So thanks awesome. for, for, yeah. for playing the characters that we're playing. <laughs> this is a good read. We're going to do this live tomorrow, right? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're taking we'll it to live. There you go. Dude, Mike, thank you so much for making this happen, for yeah, asking man. us to do this and facil- facilitating this. This is this was a very good experience, another therapeutic session, like for everybody involved. Yeah, well, thanks for creating what you create and being who you are. I wouldn't have uh, reached out to you otherwise. So thank, keep Stay doing, touch, keep doing that. You, yeah. yeah. If you come up to Portland, you got a home here, man. And, awesome. I, I definitely will. You said you have presence up here in the cannabis industry. To, you know, to, tell them to listen, reach out to us. I always love to meet new people up here, especially in the industry. And stay in touch, man. It doesn't have to be about the podcast. You've got friends and family here now. Yeah, totally. I, I just moved to Denver two months ago. So. We'll be in Denver this year. Yeah, likewise. You guys are all in here. I have an apartment, not a house.
you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as i did hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them and if you do please spread the podcast share it tell a neighbor tell a co-worker tell a friend tell a cat tell a mouse tell a dog tell an ant tell a firefly tell whoever you tell share it spread it like it all that good stuff if you if you really love the show you want to go a step further you really want to help us out leave a five-star rating and review on apple podcasts um, and go to patreon.com patreon slash mike brank and um, patreon.com slash mike brank and you can donate as little as a dollar a month two dollars a month whatever you want help support the show that way as well but remember i love you guys no matter what you do i just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts message me i like hearing feedback get in touch with me on instagram mike Adelic podcast mike brank on facebook as well and um Thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs. If you want a discount on ketogenic and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mikeadelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's, it has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to HempBombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.